<laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? anyway do you see and so if you're going to have a month of it then you should have a bit more than average what do you think I mean if I declared a month of bathing what, what would you expect in a month of bathing people will double up those who bath once a day will make it twice a day what else those who bath twice will do three times they'll introduce foot baths deep soak sauna right varieties of, of baths right then we will also talk about um experimenting with different um, bathing soaps and and salts and um, and what temperatures of water <laughs> yeah from very hot to very cold and then what else then different places like the shower the tub outdoors yeah, outdoors. You know, some of you don't know about outdoor showering. But it's the best. <laughs> mm. 
you see, it's the best. <laughs> you feel a connection with nature. <laughs> right? And then what else? And then what? Brave aside. And the rain, rain bath. Yeah, people would try a rain bath. Yes, and a river, river bath. And then the ocean. Isn't it? Yeah. Why? Because it's a month of bathing. Do you see? So there has to be enough activity to justify or to make someone feel that something different is happening. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So I don't think that we have done so much of that. I think we've kept to our once a day bathing, <laughs> mostly, isn't it? And yes, we've done some outreaches and so on, but um, they have not been as intense. So I think we're going to repeat the month of evangelism. What do you think? Yeah. We're going to do it again. Um, I don't think it's next month because we still have some things to do. But maybe the following one, you see, we will repeat it. So that apart from talking about evangelism and teaching about it, we will do some interesting things also. Isn't it? Yeah. So that um, we can have some good results say amen right but for now we want to continue sharing from this book 120 reasons why you must be a soul winner right 120 reasons and um, Reverend Charles has given us a lot of the reasons there are 120 of them so anyone can share some of the reasons <laughs> isn't it <laughs> yeah so anyone comes and you pick your reasons if I call you Leah to share you just pick any of the reasons and start talking wow you know someone sent me a picture today of the day Leah gave her life to Christ beautiful picture yeah so it's a blessing there were a whole lot of people on that day who gave their lives to Christ but Leah stood out among them and she's still here so it's beautiful mm -hmm. wow alright so I'm going to jump to reason number 30 reason number 30 why you must be a soul winner Hallelujah. And reason number 30 says, um, wait till I get to it and I'll tell you what it says. <laughs> reason number 30 is saying that soul winning is important now because the night comes when no one can work. Amen. The night comes when no one can work. John chapter 9 and verse 4. The book of John chapter 9 
and verse 4. It says, Jesus is speaking and he says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Amen. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. Amen. Now, Jesus spoke of a reason when no one would be able to do God's work. Right. Now, he says that I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. I think Jesus is making a very important reference to a reality that exists everywhere. That opportunity is not always there for anything. Are you getting it? Especially for things that tend to be around and things that we're used to seeing around. We get used and so used to them that it is hard to imagine that there could be a time in your life when this door that has always remained open will now be closed. Do you see? Someone said opportunity uh, is like a door and there is a day when it closes. Do you see? Yeah. It's not always there. And the chance to do something will not always be there. Amen. Even people, people, because you can get so used to someone being around that you can't imagine that that person can be taken away from you and permanently so. Do you see? Yeah, permanently so. That the person can be taken away and you never see that person ever again and that's I guess is one of the reasons why death can be so shocking and why it takes so long sometimes to recover from the loss of a loved one because the finality of it and when you combine that with the sudden nature of it that how could those two combine together in such a cruel way that one, it's sudden without notice and two, that it's final, that it's not reversible. It's very difficult. Do you see? But that is the reality of life. And so Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, right? And the metaphor there is, the idea is that daytime is when, I mean, generally speaking, daytime is when people are awake. Daytime is when everything is open. Daytime, I mean, most things are easier found during the day than in the night, isn't it? Yes, most things, most things you find them during the day. I mean, 
few things you find them more at night <laughs> you get it and a lot of things that you find at night are shady and dodgy there are things that can't easily operate during the day in fact the day is more like a hindrance for their operations <laughs> do you see what I'm saying yeah and so but generally speaking most things are easier found during the day so Jesus said that we must work the works of him that sent us during the day that means when it is easier to do it hallelujah because the night comes you see and you find when even when you can do something in the night you need the extra help of light you have to convert the night into a kind of day by the use of light in order for that thing to be done so it means that really work is supposed to be done during the day isn't it yes because even when it's being done at night the night is being made to look like the day so that work can continue hallelujah I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day if we follow the example of Jesus then we must do what God has asked us to do while the opportunity exists to do it Amen. Why? Because he says the night comes when no man can work. Hallelujah. A season comes when you can't do it anymore. The reality is that many places change. You see, I mean today if you look at a place like Ukraine, you know, I mean, even churches that existed before. Ukraine had a very vibrant um, uh, religious life. Yes, it is the country that hosts some very powerful churches, big churches. Even we had a church there. Yes, we had a church or even churches in, in, in the Ukraine. Yes, you see. And um, all those churches have just closed yes they've closed because the night comes when no man can work you know and some of our ministry friends pastors people who um, used to preach even in our churches here um, some of them have had to close down many of their branches you know because the night has come and no one can work. Are you getting it? Now, we who live here in America, sometimes it's hard for us to imagine some of these things. Do you get it? It's hard for us to imagine some of these things. But do not underestimate how close we are to total chaos. Just by the existence and introduction of a few unreasonable people that's all it takes you know yes they've been talking about january 6 and so on so much uh, on the 
television these days. But the kind of chaos we saw on January 6th, it's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like that here before. We haven't. Yes. It's the kind of thing that you see in, you know, it's often more associated with um, developing countries, you know, that are not politically mature and um, who can't easily transition from one government to the other, you know. Yes, and America over the years has prided itself in being a world leader, you know, in civilization and everything else, you know, and it's like it's supposed to be the leader of the world, but on television we were all just watching. I mean, it's like, is it actually happening? You know, as people were climbing the building, <laughs> you know, did you see what happened recently in Sri Lanka? Oh, you didn't. Oh, rewind your television. <laughs> or your internet, you know. The people in Sri Lanka also decided to revolt against their president and their prime minister, and they asked them to leave. And they went, they, 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 they stormed the presidential palace, you know, and went there. And they went to, you know, occupy the place for, I think, a few days. Yes, and they were enjoying all the luxuries there. They were swimming in the pool, <laughs> cooking food in the kitchen. Even I saw a man who took, he took his lunch from home to the presidential palace with his two children. And they ate their lunch at the presidential palace, you know, just for the experience of having eaten over there, <laughs> you know, yes. And it was totally chaotic, you see. They were not so destructive, which was, I think, a prudent thing, you know, but they did it anyway, you see. But if it happens in a place like that, you know, we're not overly shocked do you see but when happens in a place that has been known for being stable do you see then it should tell us something that we are not as secure as we think are you getting it yes that things are not as we think and that's really degenerating from what is good into a totally chaotic situation, you know, can happen just like that. Yeah, it just takes a few unreasonable people and soon you can't even go to church. Yes. And this is a country where such things can easily happen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. Even COVID. Yes. And now they say monkeypox. <laughs> All these things are things that we never expected. But I remember how, I think it was in January of 2020, when they said, you know, some lady in Seattle or so had died from COVID. And it looked like it was a Seattle thing. That was the beginning of all of us. March 15th was when we had our last service 
and we packed our things and went home. And I remember when someone said, it seems you're going to be home all the way through May. And I said, how is that possible? You know, how is it possible? And then another person said he has heard that places won't be reopening till September. I said, what do you mean? What craziness is that? Not knowing that it was the beginning of a two-year vacation. <laughs> two years, even more, you know, at home, changing churches. Look at us. We have been struggling to recover from the effects of COVID. Many churches, some churches have even closed down. Yeah, closed down permanently because they could not recover juicy enough to be able to come back together. Do you see what I'm saying? So do you understand the verse when it says, we must work the works of him that sent us while it is day. So right now, it's a kind of day for us. As we are able to gather and say, after church today, we are going on outreach. It is day. It's a kind of day. Yeah. It is because it is day that we are able to do the things that we are able to do. Say we are going to such and such a park to have a concert. It's only because it's, it's, it's day. Do you see? Because the times can so change. The times can so change that doing something like that could even be dangerous. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. So let us recognize the opportunity we are living in. You know, and recognize the thing about opportunity, somebody told me the other day, so one of the things about opportunity is that it's most easily recognized in the rear view mirror. That means you have passed it. <laughs> Do you see? Yeah, that most things that are an opportunity are not recognizable when you're standing next to them until you have lost them. When they are behind you, you look back and suddenly you see that that time back there was actually an opportunity. Hallelujah. Amen. So right now, we're in opportunity. The fact that we can close from church and decide that we're going on outreach is an opportunity. The fact that we can wake up on Saturday afternoon and say we're going on outreach, it's an opportunity. Even the fact that we can come together, you know, and come to church, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity. Yes. And often you hear the prophets talk about even flow prayer meetings. And he says things like, you know, one day we'll be looking back and saying, oh, can we have one of those prayer meetings when we used to get together online and you would lead us in, in prayer because it might not be there anymore. Can you think of some things that used to be in your life that have stopped? Can you think of some things? Some things that are not happening anymore. Can you think about anything like that? Yeah. 
things you liked, you enjoyed them, but they are no more. It's not there anymore. Even people we enjoyed, you see, who are not there anymore. You know, they are just not there anymore. It was an opportunity, but we didn't see it. Yesterday I went into um, a, a room in our house, and as I was leaving the room, I was thinking about my mother-in-law, you know, and I, I remembered her because that's where she stayed when she would come and visit us. No more. No more. Finished. So it means that in those days when she would come and stay there, it was an opportunity. Do, do, do you understand? Yes. And we would open the door on our way out and say, oh, grandma, we'll see you. <laughs> do you see? Yeah. You don't know and you never know how many of those are left. As you use them, as you say bye-bye, as you, as you have the opportunity, you don't know how many of them are left. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. And this time that we are having, where we can preach the gospel freely and go around and share the gospel with people, you see, and I love the song they were singing. It says, tell them even if they don't believe you. You see, yes, that is actually an opportunity to tell someone who won't even believe you. It's an opportunity. It's, a, it's an opportunity. Jesus never said everybody will receive us. So anytime he even sent people out, he prepared them always for both outcomes. You see, he told them what to do with those who receive them and what to do with those who do not receive them. Do you want to see it? Look, look, look at Luke, the book of Luke. The book of Luke. Actually, before Luke, go to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 and verse, uh, okay, how about verse, verse 5? Do you see? He said, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Can you see that? And then he said, And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he said, Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely ye give. Can you see that? Now verse 11. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come to an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. 
verse 14 and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words can you see that whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words who has experienced that before huh this is just what Jesus was talking about he never said everybody will receive you no and to be discouraged because nobody received you is asking too much do you understand yes do you always buy anything that is offered for sale yeah so you don't <laughs> when you see someone standing by the roadside they have arranged the, the you know you know the the, the, the the fruits with the tain and the, and the thing you know yeah very nice <laughs> who knows what I'm talking about yes Salam. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It's very nice, isn't it? Yes. But do you always buy it? No. You see. So Jesus told them. He said that whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that city, shake up the dust of your feet. Amen. Yes. So he never promised that we will always be heard. But he showed us what to do. When they receive you, do this. When they don't receive you, do this. Do you see? Yeah. Luke chapter 10. You see another one there. Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also. The first one, there were 12. Do you remember that? Now, there are 70 of them. And he told them in verse 2 that harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. I send you forth as lambs among wolves, etc. Okay? And then they go on and on and on. Verse 8. He says, Into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Verse 10. But into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not. Do you see? You enter certain places, and they receive you not. Hallelujah. In other words, access, mere access is not guarantee of acceptance. Do you see? The fact that you can enter or you can see somebody or you can stop someone or you can get someone's attention is not a guarantee that they would receive what you are saying. Are you getting it? Yes. And he said, into whatsoever city. He said, go your ways into the streets of the same 
and say, even the very dust of your city, which cleaves on us, we do wipe off against you. Do you see? Then he says, notwithstanding, 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 you know, that means make no mistake about it. Do you see? Yeah, he says, be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Do you understand? So, we are not supposed to judge our outreach efforts by the reception of the people we reach out to. Do you see? Yes, because the people we reach out to can make you feel like what you're carrying is useless. Do you understand? Yes. It's interesting that when you were talking about those who receive, you know, he said, he said, he said heal the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Tell them the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Right. Then he says, but those who do not receive you, you know, just go away. But be sure of this, that it was the kingdom of God that came near to them. Yeah. So the kingdom of God, the almighty life-changing life transforming kingdom of God came near to people and they can still refuse it. Do you understand? Yeah. So it's not the reception we receive that determines the value of what we carry. Our message is a good message. Our message is a life transforming message. Our message would change the life of anybody who gives us a chance. The Bible says in John 1, 12, that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But before that, there's a whole category of people. John 1 and verse 11, it says, he came to his own and his own received him not. Do you see? Look at it. John 1, 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. This is Jesus Christ. So if Jesus was not received, do you see? He was not received sometimes. He was not received. Jesus was not always received. Why do you insist on being received all the time? By deciding that you will not go on outreach anymore. By deciding that all these outreaches, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't really see what we're doing. Do you see? Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. Do you see? And they received who not? Look at the next verse, verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. So they received him not. Who was that? The carrier of power is the one that they turned away. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> Do you see? The carrier of power. He, he gave them power. He had the, the ability to 
transform their lives. He was going to give them something that would change them forever. Power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Power to become something that they were not. Do you see? Yeah. So do not underestimate what we carry. Do you see? The gospel of God is the power of God. That's why Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why does somebody walking around suddenly start saying, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed. I am. What, what do you think is going on? Yeah. Because embarrassment is trying to come to him. Yeah. When you see someone walking and say, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Yeah. For sometimes you meet people in dark alleys and so on, and they start smiling at you. Do you know what that is? <laughs> they are afraid. You see, and they kind of think that maybe they are nice to you. <laughs> Nothing shall by any means hurt them. Any sinister ideas you have will be blasted away with that smile. But that is it. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. You see, and you see the circumstances, you know, let's just read that verse. You know, hmm. are you learning something? You see, he said, Romans 1.16, Romans 1.16 He said I'm a debtor verse 14 I am a debtor uh, to both to the Greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and to the unwise so as much as in me is I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also for I am not ashamed do you see I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Do you see? It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. Are you understanding it? It is the power of God. It is the power of God. And even if people don't receive it, it is our job to tell them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So do not be discouraged if you go on outreach and you give flyers to people and you look around and you see your flyers flying all over the place. Go back and get them. <laughs> go back and get them, especially because they are not free. We buy them. Yes. We buy all these tracts. Do you see? Yes. And someone else might regard it. Because according to Jesus, it is not everybody who turns us away. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
Yes, it's not everyone who turns us away. And so, soul winning is important now, now. Because now is the time. Now that it is day. And it is day because we can do it. We can do it. The fact that we can do it is the proof that it is day. And the night is surely going to come someday when we will not be able to do it. Hallelujah. And if God said so, let's believe him. I said, if God says so, let's believe him. Let's believe God. We must watch out and believe God that the time does surely come, the circumstances so change that a very simple thing like sharing the gospel, you know, with people, you'll find that it's not going to happen easily. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And then you also find people change. Sometimes the society even changes. Do you see? Yeah, it changes. And so this is a good time. This is a good time to preach the gospel to people and to share Christ with people that we know. Can I have an amen? Right. Now the next point, the next point is that soul winning is important because it gives vision to a church. Soul winning is important because it gives vision to a church. And I'm sure you're familiar with Proverbs 29 and verse 18, which says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he is happy that uh, he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Amen. Yeah. It says that where there is no vision, that is where people don't know why they exist, they perish. And many churches are destroyed because at some point their vision becomes blurred. They can't see why they are doing what they are doing. Do you see? Yeah. We don't know why we go to church, sing two fast songs, two slow songs. You get it? Bring Eden up. They sing a song or two. After that, DJ comes with her concert, gives us about two or three songs. And then, uh, and then what? Reverend Charles comes. <laughs> you see? And he comes to yell at us and just blast us in the preaching. And then, and then uh, soon, uh, LP Michelle, I even forgot. Yeah, she commands us with all these verses. Look at the verse she brought today. <laughs> you get it? She wants to get all those verses into our heads and all that. You see, at a point, it becomes pointless. If you don't keep the vision, if we don't connect the activities to a vision and a purpose. Are you getting it? Yes. And anytime things are not connected to something, you see, those things now are in danger of destroying and ruining people's lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. So sometimes people can't even tell the difference between a church and some group or some association 
or something like that because they can't quite see the association, they meet, they dance, they sing, they have parties, Christmas party, Easter party, uh, um, um, what? Birthdays, somebody, uh, at somebody at 50, his wife at 60, and, and then uh, grandfather at 70, and then they had a grandchild and they outdoored the child and it's one party after the other, one celebration after the other and then there's a funeral and they attend that too and it, it, it seems to be a group of people just getting together to celebrate each other, mourn with each other, rejoice with each other and that's what it becomes. So when you're tired of it, you just leave it and you just stop going. And then there's some deals. Do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah? So, when the church loses its purpose, there are people over time, they join the church and they don't know what it's for. They don't understand why. That's why some people don't understand why. Why do you go there and you even stay there for so long? Why? But the reason is that many people don't know the purpose and the vision of the church. The church exists to prepare and train people to do this work that Jesus has asked us to do. Are you getting it? So when, when we continue to win souls, it keeps our vision alive. It gives us a purpose. It gives us a goal, a target, something to work towards. Are you getting it? Yeah. And that's why we must never stop. On the oddest of days, we should say we are going on outreach. <laughs> yeah, we were just going on outreach. Yes. And going on outreach shouldn't be such a complex thing. You see, yes, it shouldn't be very complex at all. We must come to church ready to go on outreach on, on any day. Do you see what I'm saying? Yes. Can I have an amen? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because where there is no vision, the people perish. If the church does not keep its vision alive, the church will be destroyed and the people will be destroyed. Hallelujah. Right. Now, the next one is that you must be a soul winner. Because soul winning is the supreme. All right, let me, number 32. You must be a soul winner because shepherds and pastors are supposed to notice the lost souls around them. We must be a soul winner because shepherds and pastors are supposed to notice the lost souls around them. Amen. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. It says that, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. 
Hallelujah. You see, this is about this particular characteristic about Jesus Christ. It's about seeing people as souls and being moved by what we see. Do, do, do you understand? Yes. That when we see crowds, we must think souls. When we see people, large numbers of people, it must occur to us, we must wonder, are they saved? Do you see? Yes, just shepherds and pastors are supposed to notice souls around them. If we are just followers of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, all he did was to see the multitudes. And he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus was looking at the crowds. It's like even watching the television and seeing January, January 6th. Uh, you know the video they keep playing over and over again. And as Jesus would be watching television, he wasn't thinking Republican, Democrat. <laughs> no, no, that's not what he was thinking. He wasn't thinking proud boys, proud girls. That's not what he was thinking. Do you see, as those guys were climbing up the, the building and so on, Jesus was just thinking souls. Wow. Winnable souls. That's what Jesus was thinking. Do you see? And God expects us to become like that, to develop eyes for the harvest. Amen. Such that when we go to the mall and we see people, instead of just reporting that the mall was really full today, do you see? Yeah. And what it means for COVID. Do you see? Instead of making that report, we must now start thinking, you know something? Wow. Souls. Today we saw souls. Wow. Lots of people. Are you getting what I'm saying? It should always direct us. It should always direct us. Because when Jesus saw the multitudes, it gave him some spiritual direction. That's when he said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So you know what we should do? Let's pray that God will give us more laborers. That's just from seeing the crowd at the mall. Yeah. For him, the crowd gave him a prayer topic. It gave him what to pray about. And so for you and I, the crowds must also direct us. If we are thinking correctly, when we see the crowds, it must tell us where to start the next branch. It must tell us where to send a missionary. It must tell us where we must have the next church. It must tell us what we must pray about. If we have eyes like Jesus Christ, because shepherds and pastors are supposed to notice the lost souls around them. Can I have another amen? amen? Right. Next one is that you must be a soul winner because soul winning is the supreme task of every kind of minister. Even if they are not evangelists. 
soul winning is the supreme task of every kind of minister even if they are not evangelists hallelujah now in Ephesians chapter 4 the Bible says he gave us apostles prophets pastors evangelists pastors and teachers right he gave us those things those gifts for the perfection of the saints for the work of ministry hallelujah yeah now no matter what a person's calling is at the end of the day the goal is to win souls and the exercise of any ministry gift must eventually lead to and contribute to the winning of souls are you getting what I'm saying yes no matter which one it is see the ministry gifts are like the fingers on one hand do you see apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers now you combine them in different ways to achieve different things with the hand do you, do, do, do you understand yeah so some things you want to pick up you bring these two and you pick it up some things you need to hold them with all five do you understand yes some things you just use this one to do do you get it yes but this one when you use it by itself you might attract a lot of do you see but even that has a purpose <laughs> you see even that has a purpose so are you understanding what I'm saying yeah so no matter what a person's gift is it must eventually lead to the winning of souls what do you think yeah there are plenty of winnable souls everywhere and if our mind is on the harvest we will win more and more souls for Jesus Christ hallelujah it says here there are thousands and thousands of human beings out there beyond the main roads and beyond the cities how will they hear about Jesus how can they believe except they hear and how can they hear the gospel except someone goes there to preach you know how will they hear unless there's a preacher somebody has to tell them amen somebody has to give them a chance to be saved a chance to be saved a chance to be saved everybody deserves that <coughs> excuse me amen are you understanding what I'm saying everybody deserves a chance and so we must all do the work of evangelists amen by bringing the, um, people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their savior hallelujah right are you blessed you must be a soul winner number th next one this is 35 
be a soul winner because soul winning makes converts who bring about major changes in society. Converts who bring about major changes in society. Right? First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Hallelujah. This is the testimony of a very bad man who has changed. Do you see? And he's saying that I was a blasphemer. Do you know any blasphemers? Do you know any people who say blasphemous things about church, about God, about pastors, the servants of God, Christianity? Do you know anybody like that? Yes. And such people can still be saved. They can still be saved. Hallelujah. Yes. And so winning, so winning is what gives such people an opportunity. Hallelujah. Paul said that I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And that is the story of many people. It's ignorance. It is unbelief. They don't know it. Do you see? They don't know what they are doing. They don't know what they are saying. And Apostle Paul, having been there and now being on this other side, he could see the difference so clearly. And he said, you know, I used to be over there. And that was my life before. A lot of people who are blasphemous and injurious to our work today can become saved. Some of them will become pastors. Hallelujah. Yes. And he said, the grace of our Lord Jesus, our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a reliable saying and it is worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. Paul said, look, Jesus works. Do you see? What he's saying is that Jesus in a person, it really works. It changes people. Hallelujah. Jesus will change any life that gives him a chance. He said, I am chief. I'm top proof that Jesus can save a person. Hallelujah. Right. Then the last one for today, I want to read to you number 37. Number 37. You must be a soul winner so that you will uh, become one of the stars who will shine forever. Become one of the stars who will what? Shine forever. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. The Bible says, They that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. 
Hallelujah. Let's read this verse together. Everybody read it on the count of three from the screen. One, two, three, go. And they that turn many to righteousness, they will shine as the stars forever and ever. Hallelujah. Yes. God has promised that we'll become stars. Soul winners will become stars. Hallelujah. Soul winners will be stars that will shine forever. We are used to stars here in LA. Isn't it? Yes. And we know that those stars don't shine forever. No. Not even the ones on the walk of fame. Yeah. At some point, you have to go look for them. Intentionally. And you find them under your feet. People who used to shine. You see, and in their day and in their time, they were the stars. But now there's a whole generation of people who don't even know them. And don't want to know them. And they don't really care about them. And even what, what made them stars is not relevant anymore today. The same show where they became stars, if they show it today, nobody will watch it. <laughs> Are you understanding what I'm saying? But God has promised that soul winning makes you a star forever. Not only in this life, but in the life to come. That in heaven also you will be a star. Hallelujah. Yes, in heaven also you will be a star. And that's something to look forward to. Amen. A Christian who doesn't believe in heaven. You know, if you don't believe in heaven, your Christian life will greatly suffer on this earth. Yeah. Because it is the prospect of going to heaven that puts meaning in everything we do. Do you see? And so if you take heaven out and there's no more heaven, or you don't think about heaven, you, you will get to a point and just wonder, why are you putting all these burdens on yourself? Hallelujah. So heaven is an important target and we must keep heaven before us at all times. Amen? And as long as heaven is before us, it will keep us motivated, it will keep us energized, it will keep us carrying on. Amen? Let me read a short story to you and then we'll close. Right? That's from point number 75. You must be a soul winner because God does not want anyone to perish in hell. Right? And it says here, the story of Reverend Ron Reagan and his experience of seeing his brothers burning in hell is a frightening reminder about how unsaved people are perishing in hell, right? And this is the story. He says, one day, I decided to take my little son, Ronnie Paul, to a town called Pigeon Ford and a little market there. 
as I started to go through the entrance door to the market, another man was coming out. He wouldn't back off and neither would I. The hatred and violence just rose up in me. And I busted his head right in the doorway. <laughs> he fell into a stacked up case of bottles. And they burst and went all over the store. People were screaming and running. But he picked up a broken bottle and came swinging from my face. As I lifted my left arm to try to stop the blow, he severed all the ligaments, tendons, and the artery in my arm. In a fit of rage, I hit him again and kicked at him, but this time with that bottle. He severed the Achilles tendon and the arteries in my leg. In minutes, the blood was pumping out of my body like out of a water hole. Every time my heart beat, the blood would squirt out and I quickly became faint. The man who ran the market told me that unless I got to the hospital quickly, I would be dead. So he got me into the passenger side of my car while he drove, whilst my young son, watching it all, was screaming completely hysterical. By the time we reached the hospital, the floor, uh, sorry, by the time we reached the hospital, the floor well of the passenger side was awash with my blood. My feet were wallowing in it. I could hear voices, but couldn't open my eyes anymore because all my strength had gone. When they rolled me into the emergency room, I could hear the doctors and nurses saying, he's going to need extensive surgery. Transfer him to the hospital in Knoxville. They loaded me into the ambulance and got me ready for transfer to Knoxville. Someone had got hold of Elaine and she rushed to the hospital and got into the ambulance with me as we set off. A young man, about 21 or 22, the paramedic, looked in my face and said, Sir, do you know Jesus Christ? I cursed him and God with all the strength left in my body. <laughs> there is no God. Who is this Jesus you are talking about? Look at me. Do you think there is a God? The young man just looked at me and said, He loves you. Jesus will help you. Call on him. Right? Something inside of me caused me to foam and spit and cry out. God, if you really exist, help me. I can't help myself. Help me, please. The young man continued saying, Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you. And all the time I listened, I could hear my wife sobbing. Now you see, sometimes people we speak to who sort of appear not to be listening to us. Do you see? But here is a case where even someone who had just cursed him, you know, and yet the words that he spoke had taken root. They were working in a man who was dying. 
Do you see? Yeah. It says, smoke filled the ambulance. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I thought the ambulance was on fire. What's wrong? I called out. I can't see. Then through the smoke, I started hearing different voices. Razor. Razor Reagan. Ronnie. Turn around. Don't come here. Go back. Stop now. Don't come here. As I kept hearing these voices, the smoke opened up and I could see what looked like the old quarry pit that we used to swim in when I was a child. In fact, it looked exactly like it did on the night we poured gasoline into it and set the water on fire. It was burning and blazing and I was getting nearer to that pit. I could see people in there and they were burning. Their arms, their faces, their bodies were blazing and the fire wasn't going out. They were screaming my name. Closer and closer I went until I could see the individuals but I couldn't understand what I was seeing. There were two standing close together and I saw they were Billy and Freddie, my two brothers, and they were burning and screaming, what are you doing here? I yelled, you died on the highway in a 1957 Chevy, drunk when you hit the block wall doing 100 miles per hour. What are you doing here? They said, don't come here. There's no way out. It's horrible. Don't come here. I looked to the side. Oh no. Charles, Charles, what are you doing here? Last time I saw you, you were in Pigeon River. We couldn't get the car off you because we were all drunk. When you went into the river, we couldn't get you out. We saw your face looking up through the water but we couldn't get you out. Go back, he said. Don't come here. I looked and could see flower children standing against the wall just like I'd seen them in the 60s, dazed. Flower children so blown away. The age of Aquarius. And I saw many that had overdosed and died. Then I saw my friend Richard. Oh, Richard, I can't help you. When we robbed the liquor store in Atlanta, you didn't know what you were doing. You had an old pistol that didn't have any bullets in it. And you didn't even ask for the money. But the man didn't know your gun wasn't loaded. And he reached under the counter and pulled out a 357 fired point blank and blew your heart out of your chest you fell against a parking meter and slipped down in the broken glass with the wine and the blood spilling over you the last thing you said was oh god richard cried out don't come here you can't help i cannot convey the horror the terror of what I saw and heard. All I knew was I didn't understand it. 
suddenly everything went black and I woke up 48 hours later I came around in the hospital my wife was sitting beside me I had hundreds of stitches inside and outside my body my wife explained that the doctors had decided not to amputate my arm in view of my job as a truck driver they would keep a close watch on it though but I wasn't interested in my arm because I remembered what I had seen I could not forget people now ask me why I cry run and dance when I preach and I think oh Jesus if it happened to them how it happened to me they would know why I, I am like I am oh God I don't want to hate anybody no more I don't want to shoot anybody no more oh God I love everybody <laughs> that's the end of the story <laughs> hallelujah you can go back and read it again from your book number 75 but that's the story of someone who got hurt and was actually dying but he got a glimpse of hell and saw how real it was the people in hell they don't want anybody to come there no they don't want anybody to it seems in hell people become filled with love compassion and concern because in the story of the rich man and Lazarus you see the rich man also appealing and asking earnestly please do not send my brothers here go and tell them not to come here go and tell them not to come here may God give us a revelation of hell amen may God give us a true and genuine compassion for the lost may it be that we have a real understanding of what happens to someone when they die unsaved and may we take the opportunity to tell them amen yes it says tell that dying child something in the song who doesn't have a home right yes and then tell those hungry uh, lost people or something like that Charlie what's the song what does it say um, tell that tell that you're a dying child who walks the streets all alone tell the that what hungry child yeah sorry I'm sorry a child a child who does what walks the streets all walks alone. the streets all alone right mm -hmm. and then who else Tell, tell that man tell that man who oh my gosh I'm sorry I can't I can't tell say that man what just sing it sing okay. it Tell those hungry people dying 
and lost in despair. Hungry people dying and lost in despair. Yes. They don't even know that I came. They don't even know that I came. That is that I care. Okay. They don't even know that I care. They don't even know that I care. Do you know there are a lot of people who don't even know that God cares? They don't even know that God cares. I mean, God cares, but many people don't know it. the lights. 